Good Gabs, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Well, welcome to Good Gab. This is Steve McBride, and we're here talking to good people doing good things. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, Jenna Ray, with me. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Steve. How are you? I am great. It's a, a good morning. We're here in the Spokane Public Library. Uh, I think we have some audience today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're happy you're here. And Jenna, you know, the audience is really interested, like, who are you? Who, what are you doing? Who am I? <laughs> who am I? Um, well, it's it's a, a great story because it is a windy path. And I think that that validates everyone's path and everyone's journey. I started out hearing that I needed to go to college and get a four-year degree with no guidance other than that. <laughs> so I got a degree in French because it's fun. Awesome. And then I graduated and realized um, that really isn't an employable skill in Washington State. So I ended up going back and getting a master's in teaching. All and right. so for 20 years, I was a classroom teacher. Um, started in high school, ended in kindergarten, kind of the downward, backward slide. Yes. And at the end of that, I really became frustrated with systems of support or the the or holes in systems of support for both the staff and the students and so i went to the district level to try to work on those systems and that journey led me to olympia and i uh, started my own business a lobbying firm and had a lot of clients in workforce development and education ports other things okay and so um, just got a, an experience and an immersion in workforce and education in Washington and how we might be able to um, better that for all of our citizens. And so um, that work led me back to the Pierce County, Tacoma area. I was at the University of Washington, Tacoma and oversaw a research, um, education research project. And we were in the community and we had coaching in the community, whole child, um, looking at all types of needs, social emotional needs as well as academic. And so at that time, uh, we were in the schools. We were in the out of school time space after school and summer programming. We were just starting to get into parks and the bus system. And on the 10 year plan, it was actually going to be impacting the home and getting oh. in the home and supporting um, that family in the home. And so, um, I decided to take a, a chance and move to Spokane, All get right. married to someone I'd, <laughs> I'd known for quite a while and do that whole work-life balance thing. Yeah, how'd that work out for you? Well, it, it made me, it caused 62 chain coffee dates is what it caused. <laughs> All right. Um, because I, I suddenly didn't have Olympia and I didn't have that network. I had a lot of experiences. Um, but it wasn't necessarily clear where my best fit was in Spokane. So I literally had 62 coffee dates, a chain reaction, and it was, um, who should I talk to next? And it, it actually resulted in meeting Letitia Hill from Avista who said, I needed to talk to the current uh, school board, Spokane school board chair, and I met with him and he said, do you know Amber Waldruff? said no and he said well you need to have coffee with her so 
um, you know, five months later and very caffeinated, <laughs> I arrived at um, my, I really feel like forever home, the zone and the Northeast Community Center. And it's just been wonderful work. So um, the key, I think, um, for Amber's um, brave, bold vision uh, was that we're going to start in the home. Right. And I was how, wow, I mean, we have an entire community and collective impact where I came from that thought that that might be able to be managed at year 10. And you're saying mm. we're going to do it at year one. one. I want to be there. Yeah. I want to be a part of that. That holistic approach that you're mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. Why not? And why not here? Well, it's <laughs> pretty scary, though, to I think how, why, how do you have the right to go into someone's home and... Um, support them in their vo most vulnerable places and where they need it most. I mean, you know, you, you might pause before you can understand how to do that. And so that's another story. You want to see how we, we pulled that off? I'm all ears. All right. I think our listeners would love to hear okay. what's going on. Um, because I'm sure that they don't want us marching in their <laughs> front door and, uh, you know, pointing out uh, things that they could do to improve their household. That's and, a really vulnerable moment, right? Yeah, and that's not that's not what we're trying to do at all. It's just that that's how it could land if you first hear it, and that's how it landed on me. Um, so we started out in January of 2019 listening to residents. I did uh, 62 family interviews individual interviews and a whole bunch of focus groups for different um, groups and populations in Northeast Spokane in multiple languages with interpretation and translation, in housing complexes and early learning centers, um, at schools, all over, and just said, what do you need to thrive? What, yeah. what does it mean for your family to thrive? What does it mean for your family to be connected? to your school and your community? Um, what would you need so that your stress in your household was decreased? And so through these conversations, priorities that are community priorities, neighborhood by neighborhood, surfaced. And then we know where we are welcome partners to walk side by side with families and support their goals. So it started with the family and their goals. And so a couple of the things that surfaced really in the very beginning was um, access to healthy foods. In Northeast Spokane, we're housed in the community center there, Northeast Community Center. We serve roughly, if you're thinking about it, division east to the valley. Okay, yeah. And I-90 north to Mead. Yes, I'm thinking we have a Safeway. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And a lot of fast food. Yeah. And uh, transportation is an issue, access to transportation. Um, I know that STA is adding additional routes, which is great, because otherwise you have to go downtown to get another bus. That east-west um, connection really wasn't complete, so we're very excited about those new routes coming online. Um, but that's just a barrier, and so you're going to do what's convenient. Of course. And so some of the work that we've done in Healthy Foods is community garden work. We have a community garden. We moved the farmer's market to the community center, so it's right there. Right, and centrally uh, located. Yeah, the, our Hilliard seniors can just 
wheel on out yeah. and they're right there on the lawn and they can get what they need. Or if you're coming from Head Start or you're coming from a doctor's appointment or dentist appointment or SNAP or WIC appointment, anything that happens at that community center is just right there on Mondays or picking your kids up from school because we have several schools right across the street. We have Shaw Middle School, On Track Academy, Regal Elementary, New Tech Skill Center, Bemis is a block yeah. down. So lots of things happening. Well, yeah, what a gift to the community. That makes mm -hmm. sense. What else is the community center doing? Oh, well. <laughs> it sounds like you have a, your hands on a little bit of everything. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, and one of the other priorities that surfaced um, through this work, and it's it's the zone was an original application, a federal ad application, um, to try to get a, a special designation from HUD, the Housing Authority, and um, it didn't, we didn't get awarded the Promise Zone. However, that strategic work, um, our community said, let's, let's do it anyway. Really? We made the plan, we sat down mm -hmm. for a year, the school district helped, the city helped, I mean, there were partners from all over, let's just do it. And so um, on that plan were 150 wonderful North Star goals for Northeast Spokane. Only 150. Only 150. And so um, Amber mm. and myself, two part-time employees, uh, you know, housed at the community center. We thought, let's let's go out to the to uh, the residents and see where they want to start. And so that's part of what we did. We're listening. Yeah. The the second um, priority that really surfaced even pre-pandemic was um, access to mental health and behavioral health. So it Big takes, issue. yeah, it takes about six months. Uh, if you have our Shaw Middle School student, for example, uh, from an intake to a first appointment, if you are in Northeast Spokane. And it's if, a long time. If you're struggling with mental health issues or, or depression or anxiety, um, that length of time has dramatic impacts on your um, social sense of connectedness, on your academic outcomes, on how you fit with your family, and um, can have lasting effects. And so uh, we have started a campus planning project and had so many wonderful partners across the community. One of the great outcomes was um, actually affects this library right here because the, the library, the Hilliard Library was moving across the street and getting a brand new beautiful building, which means that that library was vacant. And so through um, a lot of board conversations and community collaborations, we ended up getting that building transferred to the city so that the community center can oversee it and run it as a behavioral health clinic. Wow. Yeah. To build that campus up. Yes, yes. And in exchange, the library got the land right underneath this library right here downtown, which what else are you going to do with the land? There's a beautiful library sitting right here. So that seemed like an awesome awesome compromise and a way to increase uh, behavioral health. So now we're partnering with MultiCare and they're going to come in and when it's fully operational, there'll be 35,000 to 40,000 um, you know, units of service per year wow. out of that. And so that's local, central, yeah. right where everyone comes for education or for any of the, of the other services 
in the community. So yeah, take those issues of transportation right off the board. Absolutely. Now we're out there. We're in the community. And time. Yeah. So another issue, we do have Frontier Behavioral Health that has some appointments for youth available up more in Hilliard, a little bit up in at market. And it's really hard after school for families, working families, to get their kids to those appointments on a regular basis. And so now, because we are one campus and we've calmed Cook Street, everybody come on up and take a look. Uh, kids can literally cross the street with a hall pass. Fourth period. Safely. Come on yeah. over <laughs> safely, um, have an appointment and be back by fifth period. And so it doesn't impact wow. the family. It makes sure that there's that continuation of care for our youth in Northeast. So, so many partners have come together and funded. We've got big list of thanks for that. I can imagine so. Mm -hmm. um, how, how are you gonna get that project to the finish line? What can you know some of our listeners do to help you? Well, there is a little bit of a funding <laughs> gap. Uh, we had completely funded it through the Department of Commerce and the county and the MultiCare Foundation and the Northeast Community Center and the city of Spokane. And I mean, it just looked like we had it. And then as people know, especially in construction and housing, uh, you know, we're feeling those construction costs as well. Remodeling, new construction, supplies, you know, our HVAC system, if you want to get nerdy, it's going to take 18 months for those units to arrive. You know, it's just yeah. that kind of delay yeah. has caused a, a gap to emerge in funding. So we really are looking for some more private um, funding partners to match the public dollars that have already come forward and uh, just contact us at the community center, Jenna Ray, yeah. and you can be um, a proud partner with Lasting Impact in Northeast. Well, you've heard it here, folks. Yeah, if you wanna be a part of mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. mental health mm -hmm. and really bringing things into the community in the Northeast, Mm -hmm. Yeah, get a hold of Jenna. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's uh, we, there's also telehealth that started because of um, COVID. And so MultiCare is really focused on offering telehealth to our rural communities as well. And so if you can't come to a core, this will be another opportunity with a couple offices that are dedicated to telehealth to reach those people who have transportation or health issues um, in getting out of their homes or who are just in, in outreach in rural areas without those facilities close by. What an incredible project to support. Mm -hmm. I know about uh, you know construction costs, whatnot. We just had uh, one of our main HVAC units at our organization, SkillSkin, just blow up. And uh, mm -hmm. the folks started coming in like, yeah, we can get a new one. Mm -hmm. 12 to 14 months. My mind what? was blown. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that's uh -huh. just the way it is. And the cost that we would have seen three years ago, you know, doubled. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about affordability. What's happening oh. in the northeast oh. uh, part of Spokane uh, mm -hmm. in housing? Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have any <laughs> is really what's happening. And that is an issue in that resident listening cycle that's continued. Housing has really mounted as a, a primary focus. At, across the street at Shaw Middle School, a third of the students, 35% of that school population turns over every year because of insecure housing. So if you're a teacher in September, you're looking at your class, a third of your class, so say 10 out of 30 students, won't be there at the end of the year because they've lost their housing 
And somewhere in the middle of that year, you're gonna pick up one by one another 10 students who weren't there for the framing, the sense of belonging, the curriculum right. that you've been building on all year. And so that's just an example. We have, actually at Shaw, they say about half of their kids are unstably housed. So it may not be the literal definition of, of homelessness from that federal definition, sure. but it definitely means either kids are separated into different homes where there's a bedroom for them, or um, they're doubled up, and so that really impacts you know, sleep issues and other kinds of issues, or they're staying uh, with relatives or kind of shifting around as they're looking for something which distances them from their school. And it's not just the kids getting to the school, it's are the families able to engage in those uh, education nights or sure. the conferences or the back to school things do they feel like they're a part of what's happening and have voice in that education or is it kind of distanced? So that's one um, example of housing. Another is in the next six months, we have 6,000 homes that will be foreclosed on if there's no intervention in Northeast Spokane. It seems like a big number. It's a huge number. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so, or they'll lose their housing from rental units or other, that's that conglomerate number um, of housing instability. And so we're, we've always had vouchers. Traditionally, we have a few vouchers and we pass them out. We could process more vouchers, but it wouldn't be successful because there's no place to place right. those people. So right now, unfortunately, the families that we get vouchers for they are actually sent to other communities and neighborhoods and areas of Spokane and Spokane County because we don't have those units available in Northeast. So we're taking Northeast families and then and, and we're displacing them. And that means that they're changing the schools, maybe even school districts. And um, they're definitely losing that social connectivity that really is one of the indicators of thriving families and neighborhoods. You know, you have that support network. You can reach out to your neighbor if you need something or need someone to watch over something. Um, you don't have that when you're starting at ground zero. Right, yeah, it takes time to build mm -hmm. that trust. Mm -hmm. We are very yeah. excited about um, the new legislation or the, the rules where we can actually work as a pilot in this next year in community to increase um, the density of, you know, single lots. So, you know, in a single family home, we could actually make that into very small multi-family um, homes. And that's a way to increase our housing availability. And um, we're really excited about that. Actually, I'm also another hat. I'm chair of Lumen High School. And one of the issues that we have is where can we house parenting teens that are under 18? What if now that we have this, we could have a duplex with two of those parenting teen households, throw a little auxiliary dwelling, you know, right behind them with an adult that would be that, that support system, you know, case managing and supporting. And now you've housed two families that had literally no other place to be housed simply because of um, this pilot. 
that our community is undertaking. So very excited about that potential. That seems like a really creative answer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to a, a real problem. Mm -hmm. So the, there's, you know, the, the, the people that qualify mm. for vouchers, we are working really hard to get vouchers and to find places for them. And then there's a whole other big sect of, sector of people who are not stably housed uh, who, you know, they, they're just sort of one paycheck from losing their home and they need support too. And so we're building out at the community center a project where we're providing that eviction prevention, that diversion. What is it that you need to spend your money? Do you need to fix your car instead of paying rent this month so that you can get to work and pay rent next month? So we'll help people you. make those hard we'll choices. We'll spot you that rent and support mm. them, you know, have a conversation. Are you accessing SNAP and are mm. you accessing all these things that, that you are able to access? Do you have affordable childcare? Because we can help you get that working connections childcare or whatever it is. And so that they have the resources to, to stay in those homes. You know about the rental increases, right. you know, so even people that were stably housed before, um, that now they're having, they're struggling to pay that gap rent to stay in their same unit, and there's nothing more affordable if they move. Right. And so we have financial education classes and other programs at the Northeast Community Center so that those families can understand how they can maximize their earning potential, which kind of leads to workforce development. Are you ready to go there? Well, I'm. I'm just. I want really like to talk about this idea of catching people oh, yeah. before they become unhoused. Yes, I think that that kind of work in our community can really affect you know the the bigger homelessness mm -hmm. issues mm -hmm. that we're seeing because when people are. are go from house to unhoused, mm -hmm. a lot of things can happen and snowball quickly. Mm -hmm. Let's catch people there. Yeah, and there's <laughs> something called ACEs. It's some research that came out of the 1990s in California, Kaiser Permanente. It's called Adverse Childhood Experiences. And homelessness is one of those adverse childhood experiences that can lead um, in adult life, the data shows, to health issues, to all types of other issues. And so why should we create trauma in order to fix a family situation? And currently, the way that our systems are created, you need to be in a shelter for three days before you have enough points to get rehoused. And so um, while that is a necessary program and there's a need for that, we would like to prevent families from being in that situation where that child suddenly doesn't have a home, doesn't know where they're going to be, has lost that connection with all of that stress that comes with that. And so um, that's why we are going to have this side-by-side -side kind of diversion program, um, the eviction prevention program. A lot of people don't understand about free mediation right. or don't understand about how they can actually work with the landlord to make a repayment plan. Um, and so that type of education can help them from making snap decisions. You know, it, it, it was actually sad and really made us sit up and say, we need to lead in this area. Um, very early on, a resident came in, single um, senior resident came in, and she said, two hours ago, an eviction notice was on my door. I'm going to get boxes, and, and can you please take my dog? 
And so in, in two hours, she had decided that this piece of paper on her door means that she has no house and she has to move away right away. Right. And so she was literally going to buy boxes and stopped at the center to give away her best friend. And so we're like, whoa, hold <laughs> it. Wait, wait. Yeah, what can we <laughs> do here? Let's talk this through. Yeah. Let's talk this through. There's a solution here that doesn't involve boxes today. So let's talk about that. And, and so it, there's just so much information that needs to get out to community to support the landlords, to support the tenants, to support the social service providers who are getting all of these people in crisis coming through their doors and asking questions that maybe historically hasn't been your lane to answer. And so how can we really quickly um, all catch up so that we have accurate, clear information and um, one of the outcomes was we stood up a, a unified housing messaging work group that was countywide. And so um, we facilitated it from the zone and the community center. And everyone, including your brother, was involved in um, creating very clear flyers and other messaging tools for landlords, for residents, for providers in all of the languages that are spoken. And then we hired community health workers, trusted messengers, those cultural connectors yeah. to, to convey the information in a way that's appropriate and, and best received per community group. And so that might be a, a Facebook group um, for Marshallese speaking people, or it might be um, someone who speaks Arabic going to a housing complex where there's a lot of Arabic speakers and just going door to door and having a conversation, um, but just reaching out to community and, so that they know, you know what their next step should be and how to stay housed. Well, I love it. Thank you for doing that work. This community is grateful for that. Well, tell us more about uh, workforce development. Okay. I'm excited. It's all <laughs> connected. It's all connected. So, you know, the, the vision of the zone and the community center is supporting households to self-sufficiency. And really, it's, it's beyond that minimum. It's so that you thrive. And that means that we have to look at not just the student and their grades and have a talk with them at school and say, you need to show up on time. Right. It means we need to, to dig down and see, you know, what, what are the barriers to showing up on time and how can we support the whole family? And as we started to have these conversations with families around goal setting, because everyone wants their child to succeed, everyone wants less stress, Everyone wants to make sure that they are able to give their family everything that that, that that family needs. So if you sit down from that really positive framework, what are these barriers, what can we work through? You see that in Northeast, they're very hardworking people, historically blue sure. collar. A lot of the industry has been removed. The railroads went away, Kaiser Aluminum employed a lot of generations of people went away and was not replaced by anything. And so um, with, without a college degree or you know, some other kind of um, workforce training, what do you do now? How do you, how do you retool? And so there were a lot of people that ended up picking up service sector jobs. So the, 
restaurant work and and that type of work, which is a revolving schedule. Right. You never know week to week. It's off hours, and so childcare makes it really yep. difficult because it's uh, night times or weekends. We don't have that capacity in our community. You know, we barely have capacity for just the nine to five type right. childcare slot. And so these families, when we did connect with them, they're working three jobs each and they're trying to just puzzle piece it together and, and tag team, which means they have no time to step back and, and build those skills so that they don't need three jobs, they need one good paying job, and so that they do have the time to give to their family and they can afford you know, that stability. And so we started interviewing employers around the Northeast. When people apply for your jobs, what are the skills that are lacking? You're getting so many applications and you're saying that you can't find someone to hire. So obviously there's a mismatch. Let's find the gap. What are those skills? And we started interviewing residents about you know what their dreams are, what their gaps are, what their experiences are. And we actually built a program um, with GSI helped, Greater Spokane Incorporated, the Workforce Council helped. There's a lot of people that provided, Gonzaga University has provided a lot of support as well. Um, but it's a six-week program every single day, four hours a day, so it's quite a commitment. But at the end of that, you have that packaged skill set that is applicable to any sector position and you've had the time to really discover what your passions are, what that career pathway could look like, where, how much schooling you would need if so, what scholarships or childcare would look like, what local employers would directly employ you and train you as you go, how long that would be until you reach that income, and just sort of bust it open. Yeah. And, as we've had people come through and experience some of this programming, we have different different programs for different people, different lengths of time. There was a, a single mom, we've got a lot of single heads of household in, in Northeast. She became a construction apprentice and she was rocking it. And it's just, you know, you just don't think about that, but there's so many of our, our construction or trades that are predominantly male. Why? Right. Why aren't more, I mean, you need people. And so she would come back and check in and she's got bruises up and down her arms and she's <laughs> so proud of herself. She was hauling a sheet of plywood up to a roof and checking in because she's feeling that success. She's building something. She's a part of something. She's contributing to community. And now she has the money that she needs without any other type of loan costs because an apprenticeship you get paid. Yeah, paid to learn. Paid to learn, yes. <laughs> and so I'm, I was just like, that is such a success. So in that gap funding, we did need to figure out how to fix her car so you can get to all of the jobs. And we did need to figure out um, some child care, you know, if she had to leave for work really early because there was a job somewhere else. But if you have that connection to the community center and to the staff at the zone, uh, it's just one call. You're like, hey, I, I gotta figure this next thing out. How can, how can we work together? 
And um, we can come beside and and figure it out. And we figure it out. And we're not just dumping, you know, once you exit that program, that workforce program, we're beside you. So right now we're working with WorkSource and placing internships that follow this program so that you have that experience of success and you know that you do fit in a workplace. Um, so we're we're placing a couple at Gonzaga University. Can you imagine? And they treat the you right. I mean, come. I'm now working yeah. at a university. Uh, one of our uh, graduates from this fall, she showed up the first day. Gonzaga had printed business cards for her. She had an actual, oh, I don't even have an office. Right. I have a cubby. Uh, she had an office. Her name was on the door. That dignity and respect for someone who had been out of the workforce for a decade, who, you know, just didn't think that she was worthy. Right. There's the confidence may not be there. And so now and now after that internship, she got she got a job. Of course. Because she's got <laughs> that confidence that's been built up. But she wouldn't have known how to do it. And when I asked her what her barrier was, it sa she said, I've had a gap of employment for 10 years. And everything, every job wants a resume, and I don't know how to make it. I, I don't know what to say. And so it's literally just sitting down and saying, well, what did you do? Did you help at your child's school? Did you volunteer for something? Let's build skills yeah, and, tell your and experience story. in there. And the fact that you weren't paid for something this last 10 years doesn't mean that you aren't an extremely valuable employee. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love this idea if, you know, if you're just working so hard for just your, your next, you know, meal or just you're in the weeds, everything's just mm -hmm. right here in front of you. Mm -hmm. But if you can have that help, that support to be a little more strategic in mm -hmm. what life could look like, and that's mm -hmm. what I'm hearing, mm -hmm. that's where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. And and we can be life changing. And I love this work that you're describing. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy that it's happening in Northeast, in mm -hmm. Spokane. Mm -hmm. And we yeah. really want to, you know, we are a pilot or, or we're just a, a small a geographical footprint in our larger community. And I would love if someone wants to start something in a different part of town and really walk beside people, listen to people, be that safe place, be very inclusive. Um, I would love to share what we've done and, and kind of the journey, including missteps. I mean, a, a misstep was the beginning of the pandemic. Obviously, people need food and they're stuck at home. And so we started just getting these boxes that were given by different community partners and, and passing them out. And then we didn't realize that we, we were literally offending some people and confusing others. If you put meat and milk together, that means that you can't have that box if you're a particular dietary, religious, persuade, right? I mean, it's not Sure, kosher. that's stuff that you just don't it's think mixed, about. And so it, because they're both in the same box, you can't have anything in that box. How easy would it be to just deliver a box with some milk in it or deliver a box with some meat in it? Or pork products, that's another thing. Um, there's some cultures, you know, we assume everybody eats peanut butter. Not everybody eats peanut butter. Well, I learned something new today. Yeah, you know, I mean, and and then if that's the only thing that arrives to you and you don't know what to do with it and it's not a part of, of who you are as a family and yet you've got to figure out how to eat it because it was the very beginning and there just wasn't very many food resources. It's a burden, not help, right? We got it. <laughs> we got it. What do you cook with peanut butter? And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, 
we need to step back and really listen. And so we went f to all of our different cultural um, communities. We have a lot of Pacific Islander Marshallese and other Pacific Islanders. We have Arabic speaking, which is not a culture, it's a language. So, you know, you can be Muslim and Christian, you can come from Africa, you can come from the Middle East, you're all speaking Arabic. So there's, there's um, different norms sure. in, within that. Our Slavic community, we have a large Russian-speaking community. Obviously, our Latinx population, which also comes from different continents and countries. But what is it that you're missing? What, what do you need? And it might be cooking oil and flour if instead of like bread, because that's, you know, they're used to, to making yeah, their own. Yeah, they make it. <laughs> right, and it's the same cost to get those things or what vegetables are you missing and i think that that connection to community because we did listen and they saw that we adjusted we're just like oh ooh, ah okay here we go this is better um right. meant that we built trust and we have built relationship and if there are other needs then they're willing to uh, reach out to us and they un they understand that there's no judgment it's about how can we support you best? You know best, it's your family, and we're here. So what are your goals? And let's figure out how to get there. Incredible, yeah, mm -hmm. trust, relationship equals mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I continue to hear this theme of listening. And I think that's an incredible community builder. And all the stories you've told us today um, just continue to support that. Like, you can think you might want to change, right? And the work we're going to do, we want to mm -hmm. change the world. But you better figure out who you're helping, right? And listen mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. So really, it's about um, not doing to, but but walking alongside and, and doing with. And so to have someone um, just from the community center come in and sit down and say, hey, tell us what you need. I need some clothes. Great, what else do you need? Well, I mean, this person wants to do some kind of boxing or wants to be in a sport, but we don't have money for that equipment. Okay, we can, we can handle that. What else do you need? Um, this one, she's just sort of withdrawn and doesn't really have any connection. Okay, well, what is she like? Let's get her in an after-school program. And, and so it's that trust that's built with no expectation and in return that you start with the the little wins and then you get bigger and bigger and bigger and that's why people will go to a a two-night um, family budgeting class to learn about uh, how they can save money for their family and have more to spend and then they'll be like okay that no i i liked that oh i'm going to sign up for something else yep. and then you know they they end up in that six-week daily program they end up following through with a paid internship. They end up coming back and getting help with placement. And then all of those skills that they've learned, um, or if they have a concern or a worry or don't know how to talk to an employer or talk to a colleague, they've, they know our number. I mean, they're back and then they can get that support. And it's just this much because right. everyone wants to be successful. And I imagine meeting some friends along the way too. 
other support networks. Yes, and yeah. you know, that's really a social determinant of health that the health district watches, is that sense of connectedness to community. And it's really proxy for a lot of other stability metrics for a home. You have decreased stress, you have decreased uh, anxiety and depression, you have um, increased security in food, employment, education. You have a better sense of connectedness and self-efficacy so that you feel like you can actually advocate for what you want all if you feel like you belong. Right. And so there's a few questions that we ask for any program. It might be a parenting class, it might be anything. And we always ask at the beginning of the series and the end to, to measure, are we increasing a sense of belonging? Are we decreasing parental stress? Are we decreasing anxiety and depression? And if so, we know that that family is developing the capacity then to go on and take any, on any other challenge that they might have. Yeah, helping in the right direction, mm -hmm. the, the being effective, mm -hmm. the holistic approach that you're describing. Mm -hmm. Jenna, thank you. Like, yeah. just appreciate your time here today. Um, anything, any parting thoughts for our listeners? Oh, I've that, just got so many know. thoughts. Yeah. I just got so many thoughts. But you know, um, there, if you're looking to have this type of impact in your own business, really starting with that voice of the collective and working backward from that so that you're all behind the same strategies and you know the same um, North Stars. There's something called the Results-Based Accountability Framework, RBA, and the, the Health District is the one that helped lead us through that. And so when I talk about sense of connectedness or when I talk about reduced parental stress, we went through all of these workshops to say, what does that mean? And so for decreased parental stress, if they feel uh, financially stable, that decreases their stress. If they, if they have stable housing, that decreases their stress. If they have access to childcare, that decreases their stress. So do you see how our work, it all falls underneath um, those priorities that the community has raised. And I can imagine would work for a mission and vision for anyone. So I, if you want information hmm. on how that's worked out for us, I would also welcome you to contact us. Thank you so much for your time today. Some incredible conversation and uh, we're just happy you're here. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. <laughs>